0: There's a scripture from Psalm 139. If you guys are uh, uh, taking notes or following along, I'm gonna move around a little bit. So the first little piece of what you guys are looking at in your little worship guide, I'm gonna go down probably a little bit further in that because I gave them my notes when I was traveling and they did their best to interpret them. And so that's just being honest. But here's what it says Psalm 139 14 says, Thank you, David speaking, King David, for making me so wonderfully complex. See uh, we, we're, compl- we're complex um, got, How many guys married? Married, everybody? And who's married? Okay, turn to your wife and say Honey, you are so wonderfully complex Alright <laughs> ladies, you get a chance Turn to your husband and say You are so amazingly simple <laughs> No, no We are though, we are It's true We really are that dumb uh, <laughs> Like, I don't know How he doesn't know we really are that dumb yeah my wife doesn't say simple she says predictable (laughs) she's just you are so predictable you know and uh why why is a hug always got to be more you know and because i'm predictable and you've been away (laughs) no anyway it's a marriage retreat. Sorry. Uh, moving right along, but but you know, as men and women, we we're actually the truth is, we're actually um, we're actually both complex, according to the scripture in Psalm 139. Uh, even though there's some differences, you know, guys, you know, kind of have an on and off switching. Girls have all these like buttons and dials and procedures and tweaks and you know different things that you got to do and gauges and all that kind of stuff. But we're still both complex, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to convince myself of that because, you know, girls have this, all the wires are going, you know, and guys have like, you know, you've heard the nothing box, you know, <laughs> honey, what's going on? What are you thinking about? What's, what, you know, what, what do you want to talk about? Oh, nothing, nothing. You know what I mean? It's true. There's nothing going on. There's absolutely nothing going on when you ask us that question. We went away with, you know, we went and played golf with the guy for like five hours, you know, on a golf course, 18 holes. What'd you guys talk about? Honey, honey, what my wife has, what'd you guys talk about? Nothing. <laughs> She's like, that's impossible. I'm like, no, we didn't, we didn't really talk, how could you be together for five hours and talk about absolutely nothing, you know? What kind of friendship do you have? I'm like, we're close, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, we're bros, you know? We sweat together, you know, we had hamburgers together, you know? A lot of monosyllabic tones were expressed, oh, man, you know, got us close. Anyway, we're all complex, okay, but to be all that God wants us to be, uh, we sometimes have to look at different dimensions of our life to be able to unpack that. So I'm starting a series, Positive ID, all right, and and there's different ways that we can kind of get into this, but have you ever, this is church now, everybody, this is church, have you ever been pulled over by a police officer? Anybody? Raise your hand. Praise God there's a lot more sinners in here than I thought. I feel so comfortable right now. I just feel close to you. I feel close. Okay? So if you've, been, if you've been pulled over by, if you haven't been pulled over by a police officer, you are a saint. You know what I mean? Or you're one of those people that really annoy me on the road that I'm trying to get around. You know who you are. You're like, you're like below the speed limit, you know, people. Come on. Anyway, so when you get pulled over by a police officer, the first question the police officer asks is, can I see some ID? Can I see some ID, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, who am I? Ha, ha, ha. And so, you're like, you're like lost, you know what I mean? You're so afraid you don't have your wallet. But basically, in short, the guy's trying to figure out, the girl's trying to figure out, whoever the police officer's trying to figure out is, who are you? Or is what I see, you know, or what this says, who I see? Are those two things congruent? And really, what having an identity in Christ is all about is what we see on the outside is congruent with who God made us on the inside. God wants us to have a positive ID, not just make a positive ID. Right? That's what a police officer. Says. I'm going to make a positive ID. Hold on, I'm going to check you around. You know, I'm just going to scroll through your history. Uh, we want to make sure that we are congruent as Christians, and and we need. To, and sometimes we need to see some ID. Turn to your neighbor. And say, Can I see some ID? hopefully it's a positive ID, and hopefully what you see is matching actually who you are. Some of us have lost our ID. Anybody ever lost your wallet before? I'm one of those guys, you know what I mean? Like, my phone, I'll never lose, but my wallet, it's been all over the world. It's been shipped from other countries back to me. It's, it's, Anyway, um, but if you've ever lost your ID, you know what, that's stressful, you know, and, and, and some don't see the significance of losing your ID or, or the significance of your ID until you lose your ID. But as soon as you lose your ID, like, you, you're like, oh my gosh, who am I? You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're wandering around like, I don't even know who I am. I'm stressed out. I'm freaked out. I'm confused. I can't do anything. I can't make a decision because I don't have my ID, Right? And, and there's, a, there's a comparison to that. There's a similarity to that in life. You don't want to go anywhere. And, and some don't realize that your identity in Christ is strategically important, critical, crucial, key to life and meaning. In fact, in the first part of your notes, your little worship guide there, I think it talks about kind of some, some signs or symptoms of a healthy ID. I want to give you a picture or, or an illustration first, and then I'll give you a few kind of scientific descriptions just so you can see how smart I am but basically I just I just wrote some things that somebody else said and so the illustration is this like I think a picture of a healthy ID manifests on the outside because of something that's going on on the inside everybody with me so I have I have uh, I have six kids two two by marriage we don't differentiate anymore once they're in it's like the mafia you're in you can't get out (laughs) and and but 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 my four biological kids my youngest one Morgan we call her Momo Mo, Mo, or Blueberry cuz she got these big blue eyes when she when she's she's the fourth child in the lineup and she reaped the benefits of progressive parenthood okay so so devin was the experiment you know what i'm talking about so i apologize for the things that you saw and manifested in his life growing up but it was because we were figuring stuff out you know you know, when he was an infant. I was just, and he cried and screamed. I'm like, just tell me what you want. You know, and my wife's like, he's six months old. You know, I'm like, yeah, but why do we do this? And anyway, we figured stuff out. By the time we got to Morgan, it, it got better, and she she reaped the harvest of like, you know, a, a positive, healthy, encouraging environment. So she had she has a really healthy identity. And it would manifest in different ways. But here's just one picture I can remember. Just right out here in the parking lot, she went to our school. We have a Christian school. We've had it for 20-plus years. And one day, we were dropping her off at school late. Very rare. We, We drop our children off late, so don't get any ideas. And... We, we, we're, we're in a truck, like an expedition, it's kind of high, she pops down, she's like four or five years old, and she just runs off to go to school with her friends, and like recess had already started, and she's got her little cute little uniform on, a little blue sweater, a little MCA emblem, and a little curly hair, and she's cutest little thing, I mean, she was so, so cute, and she's running off, and we're just staring at her, just like, Mom and dad, just like, oh, oh she's so awesome, she's so wonderful, and just going on, and all these stars and clovers and ponies and stuff are going off in our heads, and, and, and she's running off, you know, and she doesn't even look back, she just goes, and it just, it was just like, it was just a moment of like, she knows the parental eyes of love and affirmation are always on her, even if I don't look, I'm secure. They're watching me. That's a picture of a healthy identity that's really critical. We, we God wants us to, to, to form that right. I, I think it's best when it's formed when we're young, but sometimes it's not formed that way. And so some other signs, though, so you can kind of like see where we're going or, or why this is so important. Um, now, science, skipping ahead, that's a picture. Here's kind of a scientific view. This was a Christian psychologist that I was listening to, and they did a huge research project on what is a sign of a healthy identity, not Christian identity, but an identity, and they said this, science says this, a sense of belonging, the first one is belonging, in other words, being connected to others, uh, being valued by others, and having others value you, a sense of belonging, in fact, that's a big part of connect here, one one of the things we try to do at connect is, you can belong before you believe. You don't have to, you can come in here, you don't have to believe like us. This this isn't a church just for church people. Unfortunately, there's all kinds of people driving by right now going, look at all those people in the parking lot, all those church people going to church. No, 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 no. There are some people who grew up in church, but there's a lot of people here that never went to church. That's the point. We're here to connect the disconnected to God and to the purpose that God has for their life. Why am I here? We're trying to help answer that question. Who can help me? God can help you. And so this is not just for church people. Amen? so we have to provide, or I think we should provide, a place where people can feel like they belong. I, I look around and, like, these are not my people, but I can do some life with these people. Like, that's the hope is that comes out of that. So belonging. Next thing that happens after belonging uh, that we, we want to help provide to have a healthy identity science is Purpose. Purpose. Uh, this is kind of like, um, it's it's somewhat altruistic. It means you're just, you're thinking about others before you're thinking about yourself. Uh, the Bible talks about this. Philippians says, preferring others to ourself. This is where you're giving yourself over to some purpose, some cause, something uh, significant. A third one is, this is a big word, but it's transcendence. This is where, this is more, uh, uh, less an objective, it's more a feeling. You feel connected to something bigger, you might feel smaller as a result of that, uh, you know, but you, you, the meaning comes from that connection to that. You're a part of something bigger. So while you feel smaller, you know you're a significant part of that which is bigger. Does that make sense? Transcendence, okay? Here's the last one I want to give you, and this is the one that just hit me the most when I was listening to this Christian, this psychologist, excuse me, and, and she said, another thing that gives meaning or healthy identity is storytelling, storytelling. Now, I thought, what is she talking about? Sitting down reading a novel or reading a little book like I do to my grandsons? No, no, no. It's not storytelling like that. It's the story you tell yourself. See, there's a story. Oh, sorry. Anyway, I just heard a little TV show. There's a story that you tell yourself every day, constantly. And actually, you are, it's, it's what people are saying to you, and your interpretation of that story uh, can become a part of your identity. It's how you interpret the story that's just as significant as the different things that are happening to you. It's, the, it's, it's your self-talk. It's the story that you're telling yourself. All these things uh, make you who you are. It's, there's a complexity to it, but if we can break it into pieces, you can see your current identity That way, God can help you with a Christ-centered identity. Does that make sense to everybody out there? And so we're complex, but God wants to kind of help us unravel this complexity, but we must see not just part of it, but all of it. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 in your notes says, A person who fears God deals responsibly with all of this reality, not just a piece of it. So I want you to see all the pieces of what makes you, you. And I'm going to give you five different pieces, five factors, five facets of who you are. Now, there'll be a sense of heaviness at different times with this as it applies to you personally because you're going to be like, yep, that makes sense. Yep, that's true about me. But I want you to hold on to the end because I want you to see... Kind of how significant this whole thing is in your story. So I want to talk to you about five factors that influence your identity. Before I do, remember the story, or if you didn't, there's a story that Jesus told about uh, the parable, the parable of the talents. And there were these different people who were given different talents. One was given ten, another one five, another one one. The the message that Jesus gave, I can speak, uh, I'll just interpret it in a minute. (laughs) The message that Jesus was giving them was, whatever I gave you, go be responsible with what I gave you. If I gave you 10, be responsible with 10. If I gave you 5, you don't have to be responsible with 10. You just be responsible with the 5 that I gave you and so on. Does everybody get what I'm saying? And so you're not going to be responsible for something that wasn't given to you. But you will be responsible for whatever was given to you is the story of the parable of the talents. God, listen, listen. He's actually going to evaluate you. If I had a deck of cards right now, with the hand you've been dealt. He's going to evaluate you based on that. And the truth is, we all don't get the same thing. That's what this parable is teaching us. We don't all have the same talents. And so the fact that, you know, I want to sing like Madison Fry. Well, you can't sing. You can make a joyful noise. I'm sorry, okay? You are what we call a music appreciator, okay? But you are not a musician. Okay? So, but you may not have that talent, but you have a talent someplace else, and you need to be responsible for the talent that was given to you and not uh, compare or aspire or want the talent that somebody else was given. Can I have an amen out there? And so, uh, has anybody, this is going to sound really anti religious right now. Has anybody ever, your church, so just get ready, has anybody ever played cards before? Okay? Anybody ever played poker? Praise God for all the sinners in this church. Again, I feel, I feel so much better. Just knowing this. Okay, so I, I, I'm not a poker player, but I have played cards. And, and sometimes our religious background keeps us from different things. And there's nothing in the Bible that says you can't play cards. But we'll, I won't go into that right now. Um, but I just think it's a major in the minors. And we major in the majors, praise Jesus, okay? And so I'm going to use a little illustration that hopefully you guys will be able to connect with. And don't get all religious and upset with me about this, okay? But in in the game of poker, all right, um, you right, five card stud, five stud you know, poker. You're basically five card stud poker. You're dealt a hand. Now, you can't mix and match that hand. You can't trade it back in. You have to, in that game, play the hand you've been given. You get five cards. That's the hand. You got to make it work. Is everybody with me? You play the hand that you were dealt. This, this is really a metaphor for life. You've been given a hand and certain things have been dealt with dealt to you you've been dealt a certain hand you have to play that hand for example, you didn't choose uh, the, the, the parents you have. You didn't choose your parents. Some of you are like, I wish I could have. Uh, you didn't choose uh, where you were born, when you were born, how you were born. Uh, you didn't choose, you know, your race. You didn't choose the, 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 the time in history you were born. You didn't choose, again, your talents. You didn't choose your looks, you, all these different things. You were dealt a certain hand. Now, the, the longer you get frustrated with that, the, the, the more difficult life's going to be for you. You might as well accept, this is my hand. I need to play the hand that I've been dealt. Is everybody with me? And so the Bible tells us in so many words, he gives us kind of like five similarly key factors, hands, uh, as it were, for your life. And each card that I'm going to give you today represents a part of your current identity, now, in each one of these cards, know this, all of the cards are flawed. They're flawed. Uh, every card is, is in, in, an, in essence, marred by sin. It's been marked or marred by sin. We, uh, we were born into that. We, we, we call this the, the, the results of or the byproduct of uh, original sin, and there's just this generational thing that kind of gets passed down to us. And so, as a result, our planet is not perfect. Nothing on this planet is perfect. Nothing in, in the world is perfect except God's Word. The Bible says God's Word is perfect. But everything in this world is broken, weather is broken. Like, we know that up here in New England pretty well. Uh, the economy is broken, you know. Uh, our bodies are broken. Uh, yours are, not mine. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Uh, relationships are broken, right? Because we live, what? In a broken, busted world. And so nothing is, is for relationships. Uh, you know, my wife, you know, I, I married a sinner and she married a bigger one. You know, uh, she's an angel, but it's, she, she's watching right now, right? So I'm just being careful. Okay, so, but when two broken people come together, it's kind of hard to have a perfect relationship. So if we're, if we're praying for heaven on earth, if we're praying for perfect, we're going to be sorely disappointed because heaven's a perfect place. Heaven, there's no more pain, no more problems, no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more crying, no more tears, no more conflict, no more pressure. Hagendaz becomes muscle. Come on, people. But that's heaven. But in the here and now, we're living in an imperfect world and you need to know things about your hand. Your hand that you've been dealt, it's marred by sin. Now here's another thing. Listen, listen, listen. I tell you all that because it makes the next part more appetizing, more appealing, more you should want to have this. But Jesus came into the world to change your hand. He came into this world, as it were, to transform the cards you've been given, the face cards, the number on which those cards, the, change the deck to turn it all around so that your hand becomes a winning hand. See, everybody, when you realize you are broken, when you realize the hand you've been dealt, it should make you long for, want, relationship with God. Last point. It, it, this is just all this is just setting this up for these five things. The last thing is the hand we've been dealt. We're going to stand before God one day and have to, and we're evaluated for the hand we've been dealt. I'm not. You're not going to be evaluated for the hand Derek Fry got or or Pastor Deej got or Pastor Mark got or somebody else that you have sitting in your row got. You're only going to be evaluated for the hand you've been given. That's why you need to know what you've been dealt. Is everybody tracking with me? Yes. So here's five things that make me who I am. Write this down if you're taking notes. Number one. One thing that makes you who you are is your chemistry, my chemistry. This is referring to like things like your chromosomes, your, your DNA, your genes, <coughs> excuse me, your hormones, uh, yep, even your hormones, uh, you know, kind of just your, your biology, your biology, Okay, this is kind of that first card, your 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 biological side of you. And we're all born with these this, these this chemistry to who we are, with a certain disposition and predisposition, certain strengths and certain weaknesses in our chemistry. Some of you are extremely sensitive to pain. Like you just barely touch it. Oh man, you're so rough. Like my wife, she's got she's tough. Like she birthed four kids, like wow. But somehow all that pain just you know just just ability to handle it was just for that moment because everywhere else it's just like D- what you're just so rough Derek you're so rough don't why are you squeezing my hand so hard it's just because I'm a deadlifter and I squeeze things and I pick things up and I put them down just last week just last week she made me in the service if she is I'm sorry please don't call me out but last week, I met this lady. She came for the first time. She came with her daughter, and I shook her hand, and she, she, you know, and I saw her. And then on the way back out, I said, how was church today? Did you enjoy church today? She said, yes. And I went to shake her hand. She goes, oh, no, you're not shaking my hand. Because <laughs> I hurt her. I felt so bad. And I told my wife that. She's like, see, 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 you're rough. You're rough. It's not me. It's you. It's you. It's your fault. Okay, whatever. Um, but some of us are sensitive to pain. It's our chemistry. Some of us, you know, have a high pain tolerance, you know. It's, you, you can cut off a toe, and then at the end of the day, you're like, oh, my gosh, look, no toe. And you just didn't realize it. <laughs> just, you know, just went over your head. Some of you are low energy, like low energy, like people drain you. It's just like, you know, if, if you get around people, it's just by like noontime, you're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, these people. These people. And some of you are like, Tigger the Tiger, and I'm not going to demonstrate what he's like, but you're just, you're just, you know who you are. You're exhausting. You're just bouncing all over the place, and you just keep moving and going. Like, my father's a high-energy person, okay? So my father, we go to relax. Relax. Dad, relax. We're going to have lunch. No agenda. We're going to go to Panera Bread, and we're going to have a bowl of soup. Slow it down. We get out of the car. We get out of the car. I, I, I look for him. He's gone. He's already in. He's already there. He's like he's like kicking up asphalt. You know what I mean? It's like like there's a track marks because he's moved so fast from the car all the way to the restaurant. My like, dad, we're just we're just gonna have soup. You know, high energy, very high energy. Okay, some of you have these dispositions. You know, you have weak whatever, weak back, weak eyes, weak hearing. Like <laughs> weak hearing. That's like a universal male problem. We all have weak hearings. It's a a chemistry issue, ladies. (laughs) I have a a guy who told me, he goes, Pastor Derek, uh, my wife told me I had a hearing problem. I said, what would you do? He says, I went and got a hearing test. So he went and got the hearing test. You know, you got to raise your hand. Do you hear this? And he goes through the whole thing. He goes through the whole thing. doctor comes out after, and he's going over the results with the guy, and he starts to laugh. And the guy's like, Doc, why are you laughing about He says, you know what? I'm laughing because the megahertz frequency you cannot hear is the exact tone of your wife's voice. <laughs> He's like, thank you. Thank you. Can you write that down? It's, 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 honey, see. <laughs> so, guys, the moral of the story is just tell your wives. It's your tone of voice. So we all have biological, chemical deficiencies, thyroid issues, calcium, iron deficiencies, hormones, all that stuff. Listen, that affects you emotionally, mentally, relationally. It affects you in every single way. One more thing on this, and I'm going to get off this one and go to the other ones faster, but I read about this chemical called oxytocin. Some of you have heard this, mothers, you've probably heard this. Oxytocin is the bonding chemical between a mother and a child when they're nursing. And if you have this chemical, uh, in fact, this chemical is critical, sometimes known as the connection chemical. It's what helps us feel bonded or connected to each other relationally. If you don't have a lot of this oxytocin, you have kind of a deficiency of that, then you have trouble connecting with people. Sometimes it's just chemical. It's just flat-out chemistry. This is science, people. You can learn science in church, okay? And, And they've studied, like... they're, they're, They're like hamsters, but these prairie voles in the Midwest, there's these little hamsters, and they're a monogamous animal, which is totally unusual to have a monogamous animal. And why do they stay together for all these years? Well, When they studied this little hamster, they realized that it was high in oxytocin. They're just exchanging, so it created a bond between them. Again, same thing between a mother and a baby. Oxytocin is released while nursing, and and this keeps them so strong and so connected. That's why sometimes, guys, we feel left out for about six to nine months. You know what I mean? It's just like, they seem so close. They are, and you're not, okay? And so just wait it out. Just wait it out. Just change the diapers, wait it out. Change the diapers, wait it out. Repeat. Okay, and then... Husband and wives, you know, oxytocin is released in intimacy. In, when, when, there's, when, there's, when there's sexual intimacy, there's a release. He just said sex in church. Yes, he did. And it bonds two people together. And that's why, actually, by the way, God's idea, putting this chemical in us, to create, to create closeness and intimacy. That's why when you offer yourself to someone else, a piece of you goes with that person, and then when you break up, you feel a tremendous rejection because there's more than just a physical separation. There is a chemical and emotional separation, and God didn't want you to experience that, so don't do it all to a lot of people. Just do it to one person. I'm being serious, even though that's funny. Okay, but it's sex isn't just sexual, isn't just physical. It's emotional, it's spiritual, it's chemical in nature as well. God did that, isn't that cool? Uh, People have dogs. Anybody have a dog? Anybody have a cat? I'll pray for you people. I'll pray for you people. (laughs) Uh, Just kidding. Uh, 20 minutes a day of petting a cat or a dog, you know what happens? Oxytocin is released that creates a bond between the owner and the animal. So if you don't have this, you can have a difficult time sometimes connecting with each other. Now, in your chemistry, listen, this is true of all the things I'm going to share with you. This is something you could write down. No flaw is sinful or shameful. See, all of these flaws, you know, you, you, you're like, ah, you know, yeah, I have that. Pre- I'm low energy. I'm, I struggle with that. I, da, da, okay, all right, fine. But no flaw that you've inherited, that you've been dealt, is something that's sinful or shameful. In fact, there are things that are broken in this world that God wants to redeem. He wants to redeem them. He wants to take your story, your hand, and he wants to make it a winning hand, your story, and do something for his glory through your hand. It shows his miraculous intervention. See, faith doesn't make sense. It makes miracles. And so, so there are some things that God wants to use to you. I, I bought a pair of jeans a little while ago. That's not this pair of jeans. And the jeans are what you call distressed jeans. Some of you ladies know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys are just like, I don't know what he just said. And so so these jeans were distressed. And so they're, they're intentionally marred. And I saw this little tag on the jeans, and I was like, oh my gosh, that'll preach. That's what my son and I always say when we see something. That'll preach. And here's what it said. These jeans have this little tag, and it says, intentional flaws are on these in order to make them unique. I thought to myself, I'd like to tag every person in humanity with that statement. That basically your genes, G-E-N-E-S, have flaws in them that make you unique. See, every artist knows something that relates to product that we don't know that relates to people. Every artist knows, in fact, will try to sell something or make something, and they intentionally craft a flaw into the pottery, into uh, you know uh, the, the vase, and into the painting. Why? Because it adds value to it. Why is it and how funny and how interesting is it that with products or th- works of art that we look at the flaws that way, but yet the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, you are his masterpiece. You are a work of art, and yes, you have flaws, but they are the things that make you unique. They are the things that make you custom for God. Can I have an Can we give God glory for that? You guys are not responding the way that point hits me. Paul understood this in the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. He talks about his thorn in the flesh. His thorn in the flesh. He had a thorn in the flesh. In fact... Theologians still to this day are not certain whether it was a mental or physical disability, but he had it all of his life. He never got rid of it, but it was that flaw that kept him dependent and connected to God the whole time, and God would demonstrate his power, his intervention, his uh, you know his activity in there in paul's life because he recognized that this flaw wasn't shameful or sinful it was something God wanted to use for his purposes in fact later in Galatians chapter 4 verse 13 he was witnessing to the Galatians they all received the gospel and were in heaven I think these Galatians look at this verse it says as you know it was because of an illness an illness not my success not my book that I just wrote That's the national bestseller. No, 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 no. It was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. See, I think those Galatians were were very grateful that Paul came, but it was because of a flaw. It was because of a problem in his life. God used an illness to get the gospel to these people. Here's the next thing that helps us uh, see who we really are. Number two, write this down, and that's my connections, my connections, these are your key or close relationships. Uh, t- I think we know this intellectually, but sometimes we don't. We don't live on what we know. See, sometimes we know certain things, but we need. We don't need instruction. We need reminding. And and you are a product of your relationships. You're the sum total sometimes of your, your experiences, your decisions, but in particular, your relationships, especially the ones that you formed in the early parts of your life. And they may have been good, bad, healthy, unhealthy, existent, non-existent, I don't know. But to some extent, your identity, your ID has been influenced by your connections and those connections if you haven't had many of them then it's a lead pipe cinch as my dad used to say lead pipe cinch i don't know where that came from but it's some some you know if you're a, if you're a plumber you know what that means i don't praise the lord but it's a lead pipe cinch that you're going to struggle with meaning with a healthy identity if you haven't had successful relationships and so but people who have had healthy significant key or close relationships they don't struggle with meaning in their life. They feel feel a sense of purpose. They feel a sense of belonging. They feel a sense of transcendence. They feel their story that they're telling themselves is positive because they have healthy connections. This is why, and I will do this till the day I die, this is why we... Push people, with every bit of influence we have, to take what's happening here, the big circle, and move it into small circles. We want to encourage you to be intentional. Great relationships don't happen by accident. In fact, bad relationships happen by accident. Most of your relationships, were not, the good ones, were, required time and effort. It required some intentionality and some, you know, and some, and some pursuit. And so we offer small groups. We call them connect groups here. In fact, the signups are again today. You can just go down to Guest Central if you want more information. You can go online. You can follow us. It's all. It's so easy if you just you just look for it. We'll help you get connected. But get into a group. So with help, with they're not perfect people, but they're people who want to get healthy. They're like-minded. They're pursuing God. They're pursuing application of God's values to your life. But a value that we have is that healthy things grow, but you have to be around healthy people in order to grow. Amen. You got to be intentional about that. Amen. And so uh, here's the here's the the next card is that's my circumstances. My circumstances. Are you guys getting something out of this? So, so this is kind of a teaching this morning, but these are the things that happen to you and around you. Things that happen to you and around you. All of these cards, you, you didn't control that they were dealt with you. And, these, and circumstances, you can't control circumstances. You can only respond to circumstances. You cannot control them. You know, it's, it's not, the Bible doesn't say peace like a pond. It says peace like a river. Isn't that interesting? It's not like, i got to create this tranquil environment in order for me to be peaceful. That's sometimes how I look at life. You know, I, I come into the house, and I'm like, I got to clean before I can relax. Anybody like me? I'm like, I mean, like, like get out of my way. My mom's like, just come over here and sit down and talk to me for a couple seconds. And just, just, just say hello. Just come on over here and sit down on the couch. Just sit beside me. I'm like, just give me, like, 15 minutes. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm just tearing things up and vacuuming, dusting. I don't know what I'm doing. But I just got, because <laughs> I, I have a hard time because I'm trying to control the circumstances. You know what? You'll never control all the circumstances. This is impossible. You can only control your response to the circumstances. But because of circumstances, that have, things that have happened to you and around you, uh, it could be very personal things, very painful things. Abuse. You know, it could be abuse. I grew up in a home with abuse that, 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 that shaped my identity. It affected me. Uh, you, you, some of you have grown up with emotional, physical, you know, uh, sometimes even based on your church background, spiritual abuse, even sexual abuse and things like that. Those things are a part of your ID. God wants to redeem them, but they're a part of you. You need to recognize those things. It could be certain traumas and trials that you've experienced in your life. It could be rejection. It could be loss, a series of losses. It could be a change in your health status. Whatever it is, those things affect your identity. Here's the fourth one. Write this down. My consciousness. This is how, and we talked about this already, how I talk to myself. How do you, in other words, think about you, is influenced by how you talk to you. It's not great English, but it's great preaching. It's, 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 it's easy to evaluate you by your self-talk. If you could record what you are saying over and over again to yourself... See, I used, to, I used to struggle with certain, a certain category of life, and my response to that struggle, I would say, Derek, you're such an idiot. I would say it right out loud, but I definitely thought it. You're such an idiot. Thousands of times I would say that. And then eventually, I couldn't read or spell. No, I'm just kidding. But eventually, <laughs> it was affecting, though, my self-image. Is everybody tracking with me? Eventually, it was, it was affecting my, my, my self-image. And so, so the whole, this whole life that we're in, basically what happens is if we're not careful, we become like this broken record. And there's never a time in your life you're not talking to. Jesus, I remember reading John 17, and Jesus was praying to God. In other words, God was praying to God. And I remember going, God's talking to himself? And I, and I said that in my prayers, and then God said, you do that all the time. Why? What, what's the big deal? You know, we're all talking to ourselves all the time. In fact, if you talk to others the way you talk to yourself, we might not have any friends. Your self-talk is important. Your thought life is important. Why? Because you're your toughest critic, truthfully. And another truth is we lie to ourselves a lot. We tell, our, we tell ourselves things that aren't true. They're just feelings. Jeremiah 17 says, verse 9, it says, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Often, though, we believe the lies that we tell ourselves, and and your consciousness is influencing your identity. What I say to me is influencing me. And what happens even worse sometimes is that the things that people say about you are influencing you too. In other words, people have said things. Has anybody ever had bad things spoken over them in their lives, spoken to them directly? I'm sure you have and i wouldn't say that your focus should be on not remembering that your focus should be on not repeating that see i've filed some things i can remember i told this just a little while ago when i was in seminary i mean seminary and i can remember when i was this professor was was helping me uh, in my public communication i took a public communication thing and he i'll never forget it he said you are a, this is a piss you are a piss poor communicator and you'll never be a good preacher That's what he said. 19 years old, I heard that. Now, that's on file. That's on file. But the thing is, if you pull that file out and you repeat that over and over again, then it will eventually become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Is everybody tracking with me? It's interesting, self-fulfilling prophecy is often referred to kind of scientifically. In other words, I keep saying something, it will become something in my life if I'm not careful about it. And so if you, don't, if you want to go in a different direction, you have to change your thoughts, but you also have to decide not to repeat your thoughts. Write this down if you're taking notes. A thought doesn't have to be true to hurt you, you just have to believe it. You just have to believe it. See, a lot of things you've chosen to believe, and that's what's hurting you. That's what's affecting the congruency of your identity. If you're thinking things like, or you're saying things like, this marriage is never gonna last, it's lead pipe cinch, I'll use that line again, it won't last. The person who says I can and the person who says I can't, both of them are right. Yes. They're both right. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 23 7. Right? Look at this other verse in Proverbs 4.23. It says, Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. But then Job, he tells us in Job 3.25, he says, What I always feared, self-fulfilling prophecy, has happened to me. What I dreaded has come to be. So if you keep dwelling on it, you become fearful that those things are going to happen. And that fear becomes a reality if we're not careful. Fear and faith have the same definition, but a different decision. They both believe something that has not yet happened, but one believes bad and one believes good. One believes something that is in line with what God says, and one believes something that is in line with what somebody else said, the devil says, or your feelings are telling you. And you have to make a decision which one you choose to believe. Feelings aren't facts. They're they're real, but they're not reliable. Amen? I feel unattractive. Well, is that true? No, it's not true. I, I feel dumb. Well, you're not dumb. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody's ever going to marry me. Well, that, is, that, is that really true? Nobody's ever going to If you keep talking like that, it may be a reality, right? And so we have to decide certain things. But what actually changes the trajectory or direction is this fifth card. Write this down. And this is huge. And this is what I would call the wild card. And that is my choices. The choices that we make. This is the wild card that God provides. See, you and I were made in the image of God. We were created in his likeness. We're not like the animals. We're not like the monkeys and the penguins and cows and the elephants and rabbits and all those kind of things. They have and have to follow instincts. They do not have this powerful muscle, free moral choice. It's a muscle. And it is the most powerful muscle that you have in your soul, in your body. As I've said many times before, you have the power to choose. Now, freedom of choice is the greatest blessing and the greatest curse, I think, in life. Because some of us make choices that are self-deprecating, that are harmful, that are self-defeating, that are dumb, that hurt other people, not just us, because of our choices, But the good news is is we can choose differently. Can I have an amen out there? God's given us this this thing that sometimes I'm like, why would you give it to me? He gave it to me because you can't love without choice. You can't choose right or wrong. You can't receive the blessing and the benefit and the reward from it if there's not a choice before it in the process. And so life is a series of choices that you make, and every single choice makes you. Amen. I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'd like to pray for you. These five things make us who we are. And God wants to redeem all of those to make us more than that. He always has more, He can redeem. I look at my life and I think, you know what? I could have been an abusive personality. I could have been a rageaholic, but there was something that influenced my choice, my free will agency, and that was surrendering my will to Jesus Christ. So there's something, this powerful muscle we have could be on the throne of your life with you on it, you on the seat. And with you on the seat or throne of your life, you can make certain choices, good or bad. But some of them are really tough to make unless you have power behind them or you have something influencing them. And I want to submit to you that the thing that can help you make the right choices, that can ultimately help you make the biggest choice of all, is to have Jesus Christ on the throne of your life. The biggest choice you could ever make is not just what happens now, but what happens then, eternally, Ultimately, your identity is based on your choices, but your eternity is also based on your choice. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered this muscle, this this part of your will. Jesus was in Gethsemane and he modeled it for us and he said, not my will, but yours be done as he faced the sin of, of humanity. But as you face your own sins and your own situation and your own circumstances, perhaps this Jesus is more than a prophet. Perhaps this Jesus is some, more than some historical figure. Perhaps he really was the son of God, and he came from heaven to earth to reconcile man back to himself, to deal with this, this sin problem, this broke, busted hand that we've all been dealt, and he could turn it around for something good. But in order for that to happen, I'm going to have to surrender my hand to him so he can change it. And so what I want to give you the chance to do is to raise your hand as a sign that you're saying, yes, I want Jesus in my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand good and high and say, I want Jesus to change my hand. God bless you. Good and high. Don't be ashamed. All the way in the back there. Thank you. All the way in the back there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. That's so awesome. Thank you. Is there anybody else I'm missing? Thank you, cuties. Thank you. Thank you right there. That's so awesome. Thank you for your courage. Thank you, sir. You can put that hand down. Thank you. Thank you over there on the right-hand side. I see that hand. Yep, I see your hand right there too. Thank you, Jesus. Let's say a prayer together. Those that raise your hand, and those who've already made this decision before, you know how significant it is, and so we can't wait to join them. Just say this with me from your heart. I'm not going to lead you astray. I'm going to lead you in a confession with your mouth that corresponds with something that's going on in your heart that agrees with God's word. Just say this. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my will my life to you I know I can't do life without you I need help becoming who you've called me to be to have a healthy identity I need to be in relationship with you so today I choose you come into my life be my savior be my, my Lord now and forever let me pray for you Father for every person who prayed that prayer Would you seal that prayer, as the word says, until the day of redemption? I pray, Lord God, that they would realize, they would feel, they would recognize that the decision they made today might be the most, it is, whether they know it or not. But the most significant decision they've ever made in their life, that their eternity is secure because they believed in their heart and they confessed with their mouth, Jesus is Lord. And I pray that you lead them and guide them and that all of us that, Lord, are here today, we would allow our identity to be shaped, that the will that we've been given, the choices we've been given, be influenced by the power of Jesus Christ. And all the church said a big amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for all those people who made that decision. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you for your time.